man, I never get tired of listening to that intro. It's so good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so welcome to the We For John podcast. This is part two. Uh, last time we talked about a situation uh, where a friend was talking about suicide and the things that I kind of said to help kind of talk him down. Uh, we also talked about the fallout that happens on the other side of it and then laid out the staggering stats and then charities that are working hard to help prevent suicide. Uh, today I'm joined by Tier Milnir. Uh, we'll talk about some things as that we as men can do for one another, and I'll kind of open up about my past attempts and kind of why I'm still here. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining me, uh, Tier. Hope you're having a good day so far. Of course, uh, you know it's uh, every day is an adventure. We'll put it that, we'll put it that way. But we uh, yeah, yeah, like the like the title says, and like we are, we forge on. Yeah, uh, my day was pretty pretty rough. It was the <laughs> it was the most Mondayest Friday ever. Um, so not only did I have like my my routes aren't too bad, uh, but on the way back from one of my routes. Uh, I was pulled over by a DOT, and when you're in a big truck, that's a big deal. you got to make sure everything's on the yeah. up and up, otherwise yep. it's a huge fine. And, of yep. course, you know, I wasn't speeding. So when I'm in my work truck, I typically could go about two to three underneath the speed limit just so that I'm in a safe zone. Sure. Um, but, of course, he's you know, comes up to my door. He's like, you know how fast you're going, son? And, <laughs> you know, in my head, I'm like, I was, I'm not your son, but then I immediately pointed to my phone. It's like, nope, my uh, GPS was saying I was going 62. My odometer was also saying I was going 62. Uh, and then he's like, well, I clocked you going 70. It's like, that's not possible because this is a uh, a work area. So there's traffic cones all over the place. And it's like, I am right. not about to get a $1,000 fine because I'm oh, speeding. Because no. right. it's uh, just because in the vehicle I'm in, it's like $500 base. But then if you work area, it's doubled. Double, and I'm like, yep. no, no, no. Ugh. So no, everything was all right. He he's like, oh, I'm gonna give you a warning. And, <laughs> and in my head, I'm thinking, warning for what? I did everything right. Uh, sounds <laughs> like somebody was. Uh, it's early in the month. He's not trying to get his quota, is he? I don't think <laughs> like so. He's to get ahead of the game. <laughs> but you know, it's also coming closer to summer, and you're gonna yeah. see more and more uh, big trucks out. Like I don't drive a huge truck. I just have yeah. my CDLB. So, but. Okay. What do you got, 24-footer, or what were you? Uh, 35, I think. Okay. I, have, I haven't measured the length. I just know that it's 12 foot, 2 inches tall. Got it. You gotta that's, make, a, that's an important... You, <laughs> yes, because you got to make sure you don't go under any bridge that is under that, because then it's going to, you know, going to be a, what do they call it, can opener. Yeah, uh, I uh, I work um, I work in warehousing, so and uh, safety and security in warehousing, so I often deal with... Uh, issues that are related to drivers or driver deliveries yeah uh, as a matter of fact we my company i work for does a lot of deliveries and uh two weeks ago um we can't open nerd yeah we can't open nerd mm. a uh top of a, a rental van because most of them are using rental or rental truck i should say yeah um that's the tree tree branch so uh i'm i'm well versed gotcha so is that is that the baby in your yeah, lap? this is the baby this is bb she's my my uh, my only hope for a child <laughs> um but she is like i was telling you earlier she's had a long story to life she's a fighter um uh, you know like i said the good news is uh we should be able to medicate with some of her recent issues and hopefully she'll get back to healing she's got a feeding tube in right now which is like the scariest thing in the world for me yeah because uh um i am not a i've never had to deal with like you know that kind of thing so um Got to keep the feeding tube clean, and if she doesn't eat, we got to feed her through the tube, and she's trying to recover from her recent surgery. Well, we hope for a, a quick and speedy recovery. Yeah, it's my baby girl. Yep. 
All right, so so in last episode we we talked about um, suicide. We talked about the stats. Today I kind of want to go more in depth, like what can you know. So the first question is, what is men in our society? What can we do for other men, especially those that are prone to self harm? Um, looking at the stats, seeing that you know, depending on whether the person's married or unmarried, their their, their uh, version of suicide is different. So if you're married, okay. they're going to use a gun or okay. any kind of weapon but if you're unmarried you're more likely to hang yourself or use other means that are like harder to find i guess and raptor pointed out that like you know someone using a gun the police is going to be the one to clean that up yeah but if you hang yourself it's a silent crime right and you don't you know you kind of you stumble on that scene versus yeah. you hearing the scene for a gunfight so is there is there a distinction uh, as you kind of pointed out the difference in like the method is there a distinction in the 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 frequency between single and married like is there a higher rate of suicide among married men versus single men i'm just curious um when i was doing the research they, they didn't really have much of a correlation the only thing that they said is that the methods changed based okay. on who it was um yeah yeah so yesterday was very stat heavy but today i just wanted to focus on you know questioning and then I also want to talk about your community and if you support charities and stuff like that. So yeah. what, so like the first question, what do you think we as men should do in the society? I know a lot of times we kind of play off as like, we're, we're tough. We're, we got everything and we're supposed to have everything figured out, but is there anything that you think we can do that will kind of pivot that change? Yeah. Um, and this is something that we talk about, um, because I do, you know, while I don't call myself any kind of mental health streamer, um, you know, I've been a part of other, uh, podcasts and I've, I've done some, we have conversations that are very heavy in my own content sometimes, um, about mental health, but, um, it's really that true connection with people, right? Like, so for me, um, and since suicide is a topic, I, you know, and I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, I've also attempted suicide. Um, so I've been in dark places that maybe others are experiencing or are headed down that road towards. So I, I don't want to say I can see the signs because sometimes they're different for others. Although, you know, there are some telltale signs, but it's that true connection. You know, it's, it's being able to talk to somebody and understand, you know, the, the canned response. And we kind of, we kind of discussed this on episode one, like, like, how, you know, how are you doing? How's it going? And, you know, the canned response is like, oh, live in the dream or, you know, another day in paradise or whatever the case may be. Um, but being able to either have that connection or to decipher through or kind of push through in a way that actually gets a, a real answer. Um, and also encouraging others, like, by example. So, like, if somebody asks you, ask me how I'm doing, um, there'll be, there'll be times where I'll be like, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm not, I'm not good. Um, and and a lot of times that throws them for a loop. And if if they're not well versed in kind of like picking through that, they won't ask and kind of follow up and and push through. But one of the things that I try to do is is really connect. Like, how are things going? Like, ask additional questions. Like, how is your how's your wife? How is your family? How is your spouse? Um, how are your kids? Like those kinds of things to encourage people to open up. It's that the hard part usually is getting them to open themselves up. Yeah. Um, especially if it's somebody you're not close enough to, um, to be able to have those conversations where they're comfortable telling you that things aren't okay. Um, because it's, it's like, I, I, we're very good as a society at having these, um, 
uh, and I hate to quote like Fight Club, but it's one of my favorite movies. But like these single serving friends, these single serving interactions where it's, you know, it's a canned interaction. It's a one time thing. It's a you're an acquaintance. Um, you never really get to know that person, um, you know, and getting to know them or having that relationship could change their life. It literally could. And I tweeted something the other day um, that got some traction that I didn't really expect. But it's like, um, you know, I'm not. I'm not okay. Like, I'm not, like, I, I'm struggling. I'm, there's a lot of stuff going on in my professional life. Uh, the dog is always a stress for me and her, her health because, again, she's kind of, she's my version of a child. She's my baby. Um, and it's, it's been tough for the past three, you know, three to four weeks where my grandfather passed away. There's just all this stuff that happened that sometimes it's like, I want you guys to know that I'm, I'm roughing it out here too. We'll get through it. We'll find a way. We'll connect. If you want to talk to me about it, I will totally, you know, have those conversations with you. Um, but, uh, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And I think that people need to understand that more. And it's not just a saying to get, get clout. It's like legit, you're going to have good days and bad days. And, um, on those bad days, it's really important that we are able to connect with people. And maybe it's just lending in here. Maybe it's just having the conversation. Um, you know, I, I'm really bad because I am like very much an analytical mindset. I try to solve problems. So if somebody comes with me with a problem, and this is like a male-female thing that happens sometimes too, where women, they want to talk and they want to kind of tell you about their day. And uh, men often are like that and they'll be like, hey, well, let me start solving your problems. But really, they just want to tell you about how they feel. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just need to listen. And so I've uh, the past few years, I've been trying to practice to just listen more, mm -hmm. offer solace, open up, um, and be there for people and not necessarily try to fix their problems unless it's something that's really heavy. And it's like, man, I'm worried about you. Like, you know, how can I, how can I help you get out of this headspace? Yeah. I, I think, you know, me personally, I can, I can see that is, uh, like the guy that is wanting to jump in and fix your problems is not like, yeah, he's there. He's wanting to help fix your problems. But, I, but personally, I can see that there's a sign that he just wants to feel needed. If he's there, if, you know, if he, even if he, you know, helps carry the groceries, like, right. you know, seeing a problem, trying to find a solution to fix it, and then being the one to make, to put the fixings there, he just wants to feel needed. And so that could be a sign in itself. Is that a, is that a male thing you think too? Like we want to, we want to be able to, cause there's, a, there's a lot of pressure sometimes to be the provider, to be the one who solves the problems. Like is, is that an innately male characteristic or is that just something that we have to think about as, as people? Um, I would, I would say that it's very characteristic for a man to want to feel that way because society has pushed him to be in that direction. So right. uh, over many, many generations, the guy being the, the provider, you know, right. if he can't provide, then he's got to come up with another way to provide. And it, you know, it doesn't always have to be monetary. Sometimes it's just, um, like the dad that can put things together. You need a yeah. deck? I can put a deck in for you. <laughs> you need your, you need your toilet pulled up, new, uh, new wax ring put in, and everything yeah. spick and span. I'll do it. Yeah. So yeah. it's not always a monetary providing. I think it's just like they just need to to provide something so that they can feel needed. It's it's funny to say that for whatever reason my mind goes to um, like stay at home dads. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like there's such a stigma towards that though. You know what I mean? Because of the society that we have, it's yep. like, um, the stay at home mom, like, okay, well that's a, that makes sense. Like, you know, uh, that's a, the, the, the homemaker, the domestic engineer, whatever the fan, that fancy yeah. term they want to use for it. 
But then you think about like a stay-at-home dad and it feels like it's so uncommon and mm-hmm. it's so looked down upon. Um, even though that's a, like to me, and I've never raised children of my own, um, I've helped raise kids and I've helped look after siblings, but um, to me, raising a kid is like the hardest job. That's like the hardest job. Yeah. Um, like, so, so to be a stay-at-home p- parent of any kind um, to me is, is really respectable. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, the dad doesn't just make that decision all on its own that he's going to be the stay-at-home dad. It's a, it's a uh, you know, partner-to-partner conversation. Right. Depending on however your partnership is, whether it's male-male, female-female, male-female, doesn't matter. All of them are yeah. valid. But it's a partner conversation that has to happen. And so um, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, that conversation happens. They just assume, oh, well, the dad wants to be lazy. He just wants to stay at home, watch football, you know, all day. And, you know, under the guise of taking care of the kids. But that's not right. the case. Like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the mom admits or the dad admits that they, you know, have a fault. You know, they're not good at raising their kids. Maybe, right. they, they, maybe they don't have um, the most patience. Maybe they, you know, maybe they're just not a good meal planner. Yeah. Whatever the reason may be, but you know, most you know, society just oh, the dad's just being lazy. He just wanted an excuse to stay home. He could, he should yeah. go out and get a job. But you know, especially with you know, twenty twenty and like everything turning on its head, right? I would love to see what the stat is of like you know how many dads became stay at home dads because of COVID. Yeah. I would love to see you know how many moms rose up and they became the provider. You know, because right. those stats are important too. Um, I don't know. I just think there's like a lot of, there's a lot of social norms that need to be deconstructed before we can really start seeing progress. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things, a lot of those stereotypes and a lot of those, um, those things that we look down upon for whatever reason that have been ingrained in our society. Um, like, you know, it's completely okay for the female or the female presenting partner or whatever it is to be the breadwinner that's like okay like there's nothing wrong with your your partner and if it's a male female relationship for the female to make more like there's like you know like why is it's a very capitalist thing for there to be any kind of feeling of um lack of value because you don't make as much money as your partner um which is uh, i'm blessed because my my wife you know and i um you know we we have completely separate um finances um and like she has her own bank account i have my own and when it comes to things that we share we find a way to contribute both to those um so we i can i could probably count on one hand if that the number of times that we fight about finances but um society as a whole has this weird thing where like you know whoever is the breadwinner is more valuable to the relationship and uh that's kind of it's kind of dumb honestly yeah uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that you and your wife have separate finances. I uh, remember seeing a TikTok. Um, it was an interview that Steve Harvey was doing. He was talking about how a married couple should have four bank accounts. One for the male, one for the female. Both separate. You know, that that's your fun money. Yeah. Then you have uh, an account for the bills. You know, mm-hmm. so all the money that, you know, that you need for your bills goes into this one account. And then there's yeah. one account completely separate of everything and that's your savings that's your yep. that's your future planning and so i think personally i would love to get on something like that but we have a little bit of work to do cuz right now i'm i'm the current uh the breadwinner of the family my yeah. wife is a stay-at-home mom she's taking care of the kids she's doing a phenomenal job well, I'm sure. she you know she might say that oh well you know struggle bus is real over here but you know <laughs> i i appreciate that cuz yeah. 
it takes a sacrifice to do that. It does, and and not to mention like even you know more ridiculous financial talk, but like the cost of just childcare, mm-hmm. um, you know, preschool or whatever. Aside from some of the other conversations around like are they safe or whatever, um, alone is ridiculous. So like you know, it's a it is not cheap if you were gonna try to go some other route where you know one of you guys would work and you'd have the kids and you know some kind of childcare. Yeah, in most cases, it kind of just ended up like if she ended up working and we got childcare, it was pretty much like a moot point because like basically her income right. literally covers the childcare. So crazy. So, yeah, no, she's been she's been a stay at home mom for the majority of our kids' life. And I greatly appreciate it. I don't tell her that I don't I don't tell her as often as I should, um, but I definitely appreciate it because then I I can I can be I can do my thing. I can go to yeah. work. You know, work the nine to five, be home. I feel like I'm I'm providing. Absolutely. So, uh, it's funny that we were talking. We we kind of transitioned it naturally, <laughs> talking about like male uh, stereotypes. So the next question I have is like, how do you think that the typical male st- stereotype plays into the rising uh, male suicide rate? Well, yeah, I mean, we've uh, we've kind of talked about a lot of different ones already between this episode and last episode, you know, whether it's the the gym bro culture and the I have to have the six pack abs to the I have to provide for my family. Right. So, like, there's a lot of this pressure from media um, for all of these things for men. And in the meantime, by the way, you can't have feelings like you have to be completely stoic. Uh, and you can't cry and, um, you know, you shouldn't be hurt by these things. So I think like, you know, it's, it's in a way a perfect storm and it's, it's on, I wish it was, I wish I could say it's getting better. There are definitely people who are out there making their mark. Um, people who are trying to change the norm, uh, even if it's small to start, right? Like one of the things that we've talked about, I've like, I've cried on stream. I've, uh, we've had deep conversations. We've talked about my father and the, kind of his uh, the relationship he and I had that didn't really turn into anything that was viable or constructive until I was already an adult, um, just because of uh, you know because of the way that he was also raised. So um, I think it takes it takes that right. It takes all of us being open and saying, hey, listen, it's okay to feel these ways and have feelings, and um, and doesn't matter what your gender is or you know how you identify. Um, it starts there and trying to fix that problem. We, you know, we're not there because the majority of um, what people consume through what, what is now probably social media, which would have been like TV and movies, um, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, um, social media is still the same, right? You're still seeing a lot of, um, you know, the big masculine man and the, the superhero and the, um, you know, the folks who are uh, very strong, but not necessarily vulnerable. Um, I think that's what has to change. We have to find a way to get that out there. Like, you're, it's not one dimensional. People have emotions. They have bad days. You know, they're allowed to cry. Um, if we can find a way to get that out there where, you know, the emotional male uh, with, the, uh, with an emotional intelligence um, you know, can, can exist, it's going to be a lot easier to start working through and breaking these barriers because even in the topic of therapy, it's like for, especially for like mental health for men, it's like, Oh, you're going to a therapist. Like what is, you can't just like, again, man up. Like we talked about last episode, you can't just man up and tough it out and get through that. Um, so that's another thing that like, we need to find a way to break the barrier down on is like, it's okay to talk to somebody about these things. And it's okay if that person is a professional, it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. 
So I think with this current rising generation, so that'd be like my kids, you know, they're uh, 11 and 10. I think right now they're in a good starting spot because, you know, they're growing up with shows like, like uh, I think the best example that I've seen so far of like a proper dad relationship, like with their kids, with their spouse is, uh, and it's one of my nephew's favorite shows is Bluey. Okay, uh, if you, you mentioned this. Yeah. yeah, so if you if you've seen that show, like, you know, there's there's same there's same sex uh couples that in the in the show and they you know they're open to talk about it. It's like why does that why does that kid have two dads or why does that kid have two moms? And they're open to talk about it. He says, you know, well maybe their mom liked a girl and you know, don't yuck yeah. somebody's yum. But then they're yeah. also so quick to Know that it's okay to be vulnerable because there's there's a couple episodes where the dad is really struggling and you could tell that he's struggling he's trying to keep it all in and at the very end he kind of you know one of the kids uh either uh bingo or bluey you know, will talk to the dad and say hey you know is everything okay and he's he's able to say no things are not okay but for you they're they're okay yeah and yeah. you know says you know it's okay that dad has some struggles right. and i think so like i think my kids' generation currently has a good leg up because they're starting with those good examples. Yeah. Versus That's when good. we were kids, we had, you know, Raphael, the big brute, you know, he was not about to let anything, you know, put yeah. a kink in his armor. Right. Um, no, and that's good, you know, and I'm, uh, for me, uh, not having children, I don't get exposed to a lot of the stuff. Like you, you say bluey to me and I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, yeah. The last thing that I can really think of, um, you know, I don't even watch kids like kids, kids shows, but I have a niece uh, and another niece on the way. Um, and so, you know, I kind of start to see some of the things that they're being introduced to. Um, and it's, it's just crazy how media can swing things, right? Like the media that we consume, um, can kind of shoot us one way or the other, you know, coming out of, uh, world war two and kind of into the Vietnam is just the era that my parents are, were, were born in. Um, you know, it was pretty much like the big tough guy and, you know, the, the, the father goes to work and the mother stays home and kind of, that was the culture <clears throat> that was, um, reciprocated and fed to, to them through, through media. Um, I think that started to change in the eighties and nineties, like, you know, when I was born. Um, so it, it's good to see that we're kind of, it's continuing to continuing to evolve because, you know, even nowadays, I mean, with the way that it is here in the U S um, you know, most families can't, it's tough to survive off a single income too. So like two working parents is important, like, you know, whatever that looks like. So, um, it's good to see that media has the ability to go in the right direction, but it's, my hope is that it continues to go that way where we can, can teach things like compassion, uh, and true love, you know, across, um, across this new generation, these new generations that are coming up, think, you know, to your point, things like, uh, same sex parents or, you know, maybe parents who, who don't identify as any gender or whatever it is, like that kind of stuff can be swayed. And it's good to sound to hear that we're headed that direction. Yeah. Uh, do you watch a whole lot of Pixar movies? I, I actually, <laughs> I actually don't. Uh, I have a fundamental, uh, difference of opinion with Disney and, uh, Disney now on Pixar, I believe. So like, I try to stay away from Okay. Um, so you haven't seen The Incredibles? I have not. Okay. I know what it is, but I haven't seen it. All right. So in in The Incredibles, you have the dad, Bob. He's you yeah. know Mister Incredible. So right. I think, I think he's like a pretty good example, kind of talking about like the male stereotype. So okay. you know he's got super strength. You know, right. you know, got it. If you got a jar that needs open, he's your guy. But you need a car mm -hmm. lifted up, 
He's your guy. You need to push a train. He's your guy. So when he goes from being a hero to then heroes having to like go away because it was getting too costly for the government to keep fixing their problems. You know, they destroy half the city. Well, the government's got to step in and put it back together and the hero doesn't get any of the fallback. So, um, I don't remember like the time frame, but like eventually the heroes had to go away and they all had to become, you know, they started families. And so Bob, you know, is now an insurance agent and he absolutely hates his job, but (laughs) being the hero when prying ears aren't hearing, he's quick to, you know, tell like the old lady, he's like, Hey, if you want this to be taken care of this, you need to do this, 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 he was like, look, write this down, write this down. This is going to, how you're going to get your coverage. And you know, then he gets pulled to the office. He's like, you need to stop giving, you know, giving away all our secrets. We were supposed to make money, not give it away. Um, but then, so at the, at the end of that movie, you know, heroes kind of come back. Bob feels like he has a purpose. Yeah. He, he started sneaking away and being a hero for hire type situation. It led to the bad guy, you know, revealing his hands. Hey, Oh, you were doing this for me so that I could find a way to kill you. And yeah. at the end of the movie, heroes come back. Well, transition to Incredibles 2, the scientist doesn't want Bob. They don't want Mr. Incredible. They want Elastigirl, which is the wife. Right. And so then he has to transition from being the working dad to now being the stay-at-home dad. Okay. And so I think he's a a good shift for the male stereotype because in the first movie, he's, you know, embodies everything that the male stereotype is. Big, tough brute, isn't afraid uh, of anything, not quick to show his emotions at the end he starts to show his emotions realize that he can't do it alone he needs his he needs his family so then in the second movie transitioning to being a stay-at-home dad um realizing it's not easy i thought i could just sit and you know but then you got this super powered baby named jack jack and he's you know he's sprouting powers left and right um i don't think eventually uh, Elastica realized that she was kind of in the same situation that Bob was in the first movie. The villain played their hand, showed that they were, you know, not the good guys they thought. Um, but I think it was it was really cool for Pixar to show that shift from like the the, the typical male to now being this new generation of male. Okay to show emotions. He, you know, yeah. visibly he was able to show that he's struggling. He told right. his best friend Frozone, he's like, I don't know how she does this, taking care of these kids all day. I barely did it for like 10 minutes and the house is a wreck. <laughs> so, yeah, that's awesome. I th- yeah. So I think for a society, we need, we need to start young. We need to show the young oh, kids yeah. that it is absolutely okay to yeah. show your emotions. It's okay that you have anger or sadness, depressed, any spectrum of emotions. Um, especially with being a, you know, a father myself, you know, I have to be that example for my, my own son. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about a little bit about like anime last episode, <clears throat> and uh, so like I my my hero or the person that I like kind of emulate my life after is Vegeta. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know anything about Dragon Ball Z, like um, I've always been the guy that likes the edgy guy or the the anti hero. Um, and as I think about even Vegeta through his course of um, his kind of uh, character arc throughout Dragon Ball Z and into Super, 
um, even he changes, right? Like, so you think about, you know, he starts off, he's the bad guy. Uh, he ends up becoming like this kind of anti-hero. He ends up having a family. Um, he doesn't really still show emotion until kind of towards the end of the Dragon Ball Z story where he, you know, says like, hey, I'm going to sacrifice myself for my son and my wife. Um, you know, he comes back and he kind of starts making admissions about, you know, rivalry. And, you know, he's not as strong as he as, as Goku is or Kakarot. Um, and then you look at Super and he uh, he has another baby. Right. So uh, and all of a sudden he becomes like the more of a doting father. Now, he's not like super emotional. He's not like, yeah. um, you know, he doesn't like cry and say I'm depressed or I'm sad uh, and vocalize his emotions. But like there's like there's kind of a character arc and a change in him. Um, where he becomes more family oriented and, you know, in some of the mo the movies and the series, he, um, you know, he even fights the God of destruction to, pr to protect his wife. Mm -hmm. um, yep. But uh, it's funny that like, uh, you know, we, that change even happens in some of the other media that we consume and just uh, the, the incredible stories you told kind of made me think about him as well um, and how he kind of opens up and, and changes through the, the literature that they've written him into. Yeah. Vegeta had, had a little bit, longer time to progress things as uh you know you think that starting in uh the saiyan arc he's he's a he's a gun for hire for frieza you know yeah. his whole purpose is that he's doing this for frieza his you know his whole um you know his whole whole race has been doing this for frieza for as long as he can remember and then you get to the frieza saga and then you realize and, you know vegeta realizes oh frieza's the one that destroyed my my race right. he's the reason right. why i'm the last surviving saiyan right. um and so then that's where he starts to make the pivot towards being a good guy because then he realizes that him and kakarap both have a, a common enemy it's frieza he's right. like we can set aside our differences and then i think it's right when frieza kills vegeta that he realizes that goku is the one that's supposed to do this yeah. because vegeta is too prideful to do it because because yeah. he's going to get cocky or he's going to get the leg up on Frieza and he's going to do something and he's going to realize, oh, I was not the one to supposed to do this. Because right. every time that him and Frieza go against each other, uh, Vegeta starts getting a little cocky, Frieza gets the upper hand, and then he gets defeated. Yep. And then I think the next shift, so I think over time, not only did, so he started off with a really cold heart. Mm -hmm. And I think over time that heart start, started to thaw and then yeah. once you get to the Boo Saga, or it's like end of Cell Saga into the Boo Saga, like that heart is now completely thawed. Now it's starting to soften. Sure. And so because over time uh, between those arcs, you start to see his relationship with Trunks start to get right. better and better and better. Instead of constantly, you know, pushing him to be stronger, he just, you know, he says, um, like he still pushes him to get stronger, but he's also like, it's okay, you can go out and play. You know, yeah. becomes a little bit more lenient towards yeah. his raising of trunks, mm -hmm. and then when you get to uh, Bra being born in Super, right. then you start to see the the uh, so his heart's completely softened, but now it's flipped on its head. Now he gets to enjoy being a parent. Yeah. So now you're seeing him go out with trunks to like the carnival in one episode, or um, you know. There's a couple frames in the manga where you see he's actually holding his daughter, but you never saw him ever hold trunks. Yeah. And so yeah. it's really cool, fun shift. And I know, I know sometimes in Super they kind of like, you know, have Goku make comments about it because Goku yeah. doesn't have any daughters at all. So like no. this is completely, you know, out <laughs> of his realm. He's like, what's it like having a daughter? <laughs> um, 
And so, yeah, I could definitely see Vegeta being that that transitional male stereotype. But now he's starting to be, you know, what we what we want us to be. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, I need to uh, redeem it so that uh, Raptor will yell "My Bulma" as he does it. He does a pretty good Vegeta voice. Yeah, I still have, I still have to hear that after he mentioned it last time. I was like, yeah. oh, I need to hear it. Yeah. That, um... Yeah, I know in last episode, yeah, really start to see some of the kinks in everyone's armor. And I think that's important that we 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 see that and then we also kind of encourage that too. Um, I know it was a pretty rough episode for Raptor because he's got a personal experience of his brother right. dying by suicide. And so he, you know, he was the one that kind of gave us the inside look of the fallout. Right. And so... Um, so my next question is besides helplines, what do you think that we as a podcast can do? I know we can, I know we can put the hotlines out there. We can yeah. say that our DMS are yeah. open, but is there like, is there something more tangible that we can do? Cause I know we can't just talk to everybody and talk everybody off the cliff and we can't yeah. also just push the hotline down their throat. Right. Um, so- um there's, there's a, the hotline is important, right? We, I think everybody should have that be made available. There's some other resources out there. There's some websites um, that people can look at, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, they can chat with people as well um, if that helps them uh, feel a little more anonymous because I know sometimes that is a concern. Um, you know, supporting charities, you know, I would love to find a way to, um, you know, and I, and I do, we'll, I know we'll, we might talk about this a little bit more, um, later, but you know, having us encourage folks to support those charities, point them in that right direction, and then just talk like encouraging people to talk about their experience. It's it can be difficult. Um, it can be difficult to open up, but as we share our experiences um, and obviously become resources for them to to listen uh, to us and for for us to listen to them, um, you know, sharing our experiences. I think it's important with whatever you know, whatever you're facing is. You know, whether it's a mental health struggle, whether it is suicide, you know, to, you know, somebody like Raptor who is on the other side of that, right? Who who's experienced that with somebody very, very close to him. Um, <clears throat> sharing that experience as difficult as it, might, as it might be, our experiences with, you know, if even attempted suicide, um, that's important because one, it lets people understand, you know, what we've been through and they can help relate, which is, is it's funny. Sometimes I feel like, I feel like it, it's not important that people relate to you. Like, I, like it, I'm conflicted sometimes. Like, I, I feel like people should be able to open up despite having the relation, not relating. They should be able to be open. But at the same time, there's something endearing about like, hey, man, we've been through something similar. Like we've even folks that I, um, I've I had a good friend um, who I kind of helped through a divorce because I've been through a divorce. And, um, you know, he was struggling to understand the situation, struggling to understand why, you know, why would she do this to me? And, you know, I could, I should have done this. I should have done that. And just, um, helping him, letting him vent to me and then being like, Hey, can I offer some feedback? Or, you know, do you want to hear what my experience was like? Um, it really helped him, even though he still struggled. Um, it helped him kind of get over the hump, um, with like moving forward with his experience. So, um, there's something to be said for that, to be able to, you know, find somebody who does have that relationship. Um, I, my goal would be one day that people are open enough to to be able to talk to whoever they need to without needing that. But um, that relationship is the first step. And, you know, if they understand we're real, 
Um, we provide them as many resources as we can. We encourage the support. We encourage um, the charity, uh, you know, different charities that you can, they can support as well. Um, let, let them know they're not alone. Um, you know, you're never, you're never alone, even though it might feel that way. Um, you know, and social media is a great thing for that because there are people you can reach out to. There are people that you can find who are like your people, um, despite who's around you. Um, I think those are the things that we can start doing. And along the way, hopefully we can find maybe more ways to be even, even more impactful and more helpful to people. Yeah. As much as I, I love to say that social media can, has really, really helped like bridge the gap with communications. I also want to spread with caution that social media, while it can be good, it also kind of magnifies the loneliness that people might feel. Like, especially if someone doesn't have like a huge following, they maybe just started on the social media and, you know, they, they throw a message out to the ether and it doesn't get any response. It kind of yeah. magnifies that loneliness. So while yes, like for us streamers, social media is a great platform for us to kind of put our message out there. It's for those that don't have that, just kind of tread with caution. Um, there's plenty of resources like uh, we'll have the text line uh, posted in the show notes. We'll have other helplines for if you need help. Um, just don't rely solely on social media to get your voice heard. Um, talk to someone that you're, you know, you're close to. You have a phone number for. Um, definitely reach out to any of these hotlines. Yeah. I, well, I would, I would also encourage people to, even though you may be in an emotional state, right? Especially if you're feeling like. Um, you want to end your life, right? You wouldn't expect an answer if you went out into the woods and just screamed like, you know, into, into nothingness. So that, you know, social media can feel like that, it's, uh, to your point, especially if there's nobody on the other side of that. So um, the direct line is always better. It should never be this kind of um, blanket statement out there. You know, reach out to somebody you're comfortable with. I, I would hope there is somebody in your life that um, you can connect with or be honest with. Um, if you feel like that's not the case, then there are resources out there, right? And and I want you to 100% utilize those because, trust me, you uh, you not being around would make an impact in somebody's life. It might not feel that way, it would, but you you know you making a decision to to take your own life is just uh, it's I don't want to say it's never the answer, but there are there are opportunities for you to get better. It can't get better if you're not here. It cannot yeah. get better. So you know we want you to move forward, and it's okay to have bad days. Um, not every day is going to be a good day and it's okay to have more bad days than good. Um, but if you're moving forward, then you have the opportunity to improve your situation and that's important. Yeah. Uh, one thing I like to tell my wife, uh, cause sometimes she gets, you know, she really struggles with, uh, with the things that she's working on and she's, uh, she wants to go zero to a hundred right from the get go. Um, but sometimes I, you know, I have to remind her. It's okay if you can only go zero to five, zero to ten. You know, right. sometimes, sometimes just taking any step forward is still a step forward. Um, so, yeah, you know, don't don't feel like you have to go zero to a hundred. No one right. is going zero to a hundred from the get go. Yeah. You know, we all go at our own pace. We, you know, we all. Uh, I said I said yesterday. Um, sometimes the things that we're going through to some people might look like a speed bump. But to another person, it's a cliff for them. Yeah. So everyone's struggle is different. Everyone, you know, it looks different from the outside. It looks different from the inside. Um, definitely 
you know, don't invalidate how what someone is going through. Yeah. Just be there for them, help them through, and then. I'll... Um. So I wanted to pivot. Is there any like, does your community support any charities? Yeah, so um, I'm part of a larger organization uh, known as Equinox Gaming. Um, I'm the founder, and uh, so we've done several charity events. A lot of our things have been around. Uh, we've done uh, so animals are near and dear to my heart, so mm -hmm. we've supported charities. So uh, one of the ones that I absolutely love um, in this area with me is called the uh, the Love Pit, um, which is a Dallas-based organization um, that is driving awareness around pit bulls and pit bull stigma. Because um, I'm a huge fan of pit bulls. Um, my baby that you saw earlier, she's mm -hmm. a pit bull, uh, and I absolutely adore them. That's one of the ones we supported. We've done things like um, stack up, uh, supporting veterans. Um, veterans are also near and dear to me. I um, I have many veterans in my family. Um, I you know veteran suicide since we're on the topic is huge. Um, you know, 22 a day. I think many people are familiar with, but if you're not, um, at least 22 veterans a day on average take their own lives due to things like PTSD. So, um, you know, that's very near and dear to my heart as well. So we've, we've also supported that. Um, we also try to do things um, within the community because we, our own internal community, because we know we all struggle. So we've, um, we've supported each other and tried to, we've done things from, uh, paying people's rent to, you know, uh, buying them groceries, like to help to get them over the hump to uh, paying for schooling and then certification. So we do our best to give back. Um, us as an organization, we feel like uh, we're not in many gaming orgs or content creation orgs that are out there. They're, you know, they're about like being the biggest, best, the making money, all that kind of stuff. Ours is really, it started as a family uh, with five people who just, love each other and want to see each other succeed in life and uh we've just grown from there so that is our goal is to continue that mindset is like how can we support each other how can we make the world a better place um so we're always on the uh trying to think about ways to to do that um whether it's in the larger world as a whole or even internally awesome um yeah i was i was gonna ask you what charities but you already listed them all off um Trying to figure out the train because you kind of already hit it on the head. Um, all right, so there's no real easy way to transition to this this next part. Um, I know you mentioned at the at the top of it that you've had uh, suicide attempts. I know I've had um, two of them. Um, so if you want to talk first, or I can talk first, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but just just so that people know, we're real. You know, we we both tried to commit suicide for our own reasons. It's it's real messy to talk about. Um, I know hindsight's so easy. It's like, oh, well, you know, everything was going great then. But, you know, caution you, in the moment, it won't, it doesn't feel. Um, so uh, the one that speaks to me the most is um, I was in high school. I, we, I just started dating um, my now wife. You know, I was, your bastard, I was about ready to graduate. Um, you know, I was living with, I still live with my mom and dad, but just like, I don't know, it's just, I felt empty in that moment. Like, yeah, things, in hindsight, things were going great. Um, and to see how it is now, you know, it's pretty, pretty dang good. But in the moment, it just, so to give a little bit of context, I wasn't the best student at all. Um, you know, I barely got through classes. 
I skated, you know, skated by with the skin of my teeth. Uh, when I got to, you know, so I, you know, because of the no child left behind, even if I failed up until high school, I was still able to progress to the next grade because that was in place. Um, so I never really, you know, I never really learned that I actually had to do the work, um, to succeed. And so when I got to high school, that's when everything flipped. Um, I didn't have that crutch anymore. I had to progress on my own and do things on my own. So, um, at the point where I tried to, um, take my own life, I was a super senior. So what that is, is, um, if you don't have enough, uh, credits to get into the next uh, to graduate, you have to have a certain amount of credits to graduate. If you don't have enough, you have to, t to, uh, attend another year. Um, it was in that same year that I met you know, my now wife, um, and other, you know, other great opportunities happened. I also got Eagle Scout that same year. Um, I started Boy Scouts when I was 16. You know, they literally had to fudge the numbers by a couple months just so I could qualify because when I started, was a couple months after I had my, my uh, 16th birthday. And so like you, you know, if you start at 16, you literally have to start that day and then to get your, uh, to get all your merit badge and stuff. So they had to fudge the numbers a little bit, but I did go through all the steps I needed and I got my Eagle Scout. Um, so I had that going for me. I was actually starting to do well in school only because I was being, you know, pushed by, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she's like, I'm going to dump you if you don't graduate. Um, so I had that pressure. Um, so there was a lot of pressure on me. Mm -hmm. I'm the oldest of five kids. Um, you know, my parents do well, and they tried to, you know, they did everything that they could. But, in, you know, so because I was not spending a lot of time at home, I was spending time with with girlfriends and friends, I was never home. I was always out and about. Um, so when they moved from one house to the other, I helped with the move, but I didn't get to pick my room. Like I didn't have any say. So when they finally moved into the new house, to be honest, I literally slept in a closet. Like there was no other room for me because they didn't account for me or I didn't, you know, help them in whatever reason. So my my bed, I literally, so my brother shared a room with my grandpa, and then I had the closet of that same room. Um, I didn't have a door. I literally had like a blow-up mattress on the floor with my brother's clothes right above me and some of my clothes above me as well. So like, from the outside looking in, my life looked like shit, yeah. you know? You know, almost like a, like a redneck Harry Potter almost. Yeah. Except for I didn't have the benefit of having freaking magic. I, <laughs> no you know, owls. No owls, no nothing. Um, the only solace I got was I had a window right outside the closet that I can then uh, step out of and sit on the, like, the partial roof that goes over bo yeah. above the porch. So, like, that was my space. I didn't have my own room, so I had to find wherever I could be private. And so, you know... Eventually, it got to the point where I just like, I looked at my life and I'm like, despite the things that are happening, like the good things that are happening, I, you know, put them off to the side. Um, just, I don't know. It just didn't feel like things were going my way. I was, I was working my ass off trying to graduate. Um, I literally had 
it was literally down to the wire to get certain classes up to a certain point so that my teacher would let me uh would give me a passing grade so i can graduate and i just thought what's the point i was you no know, it, it felt like in that moment my parents were giving up on me because when you know they would talk to their church friends i barely came up in conversation it felt like because I was a super senior, you know, you don't want to, you know, that's not something to applaud. That's, you know, that's, you know, and so I, uh, I kind of felt like I was a burden more than I was a, a help to anybody. Um, if my dad needed help with something, he asked my brother before he asked me. If my mom needed help with something, she'd ask my sister that's just below me or any of my other siblings. Um, I, besides prom, I didn't, I wasn't given a whole lot of attention. Um, it was also at that moment that it was also, uh, around that time that I also had my back injury too. I was, uh, uh, was in advanced weightlifting and we were learning how to squat. And, uh, it was the second time that we, we were doing squats and weightlifting. And one of the classmates thought it would be a fun prank to go around and add an extra weight on one side without telling anybody. And my spotter, my, uh, my spotter didn't do his job by telling me that he just let it happen because they were buddy buddies. And I went to do my squat and I noticed that my left, uh, my right side was heavier than my left. And, um, but I was already, I was already in the squat. Like I already had it up on my shoulders and you know, I put it back on the bar, didn't think anything of it. Next day, I couldn't even walk. Yeah. I barely could feel my legs. Um, I kind of thought I was going to die. I was like, I'm paralyzed. How the hell did that happen? Right. Um, you know, and then I'm going through my head, and, oh, it was because of the extra weight was added on. It just didn't sink in right then at that moment. So I was ar already dealing with the, the back pains, too, because there's just some days, there's just excruciating to walk i went to a chiropractor a couple times to get an adjustment but it was just it just never really fixed it um i know i had to do physical therapy but you know i you know i was 18 well no 18 turning 19 that year and i felt like no this i can i can just walk this off i just have to take a little right. bit of pain pills to get through it and then it'll be fine you know take a take four ibuprofen give it about an hour i'll feel fine and it was so all these things were starting to compound on me and i wasn't seeing any light i all i was seeing was darkness and so i uh i i grabbed some rope that was down in the basement because that's where my dad had all his tools we didn't have a garage we just all his tools were in the basement. So I grabbed uh, some of his rope and because I was in Boy Scouts, I knew how to tie my knots. So I uh, paid my, you know, the, the hangman's noose. Yeah. And I was, I had it set up in my closet room to hang myself there. Um, I tried to make sure that I was quiet. That way they didn't hear that I put a hook, uh, an anchored hook in the, in the roof. Yeah. And that night I was going to do it. Um, so I didn't tell anybody anything. I kind of just, you know, live, you know, I lived life like it was normal. 
Um, and then that night, it was a Friday night, and I went to get everything set up. And before I can even get the rope put up, my uh, brother asked me if I would play Smash Bros. with him. And if I didn't play Smash Bros. with him, I wouldn't be here. Um, I had everything all set up. The, the rope was underneath my pillow. Um, the, the hook was in place. So to, you know, in that moment to be asked for help, you know, my brother just wanted to play Smash Bros. with his brothers. Uh, he, uh, he was having a rough week with school and he just needed something to, to unwind. And so, you know, but him asking me to play Smash Bros. with him was enough to see that I was needed in a moment when everyone else wasn't needing me. Right. So, you know, in hindsight, I could see that everything was fine. I was making too big of a scare of everything. You know, I, you know, the following week, I, I passed one of the classes I was worried about because I turned in just enough work. Um, I was still dealing with my back pain, and I'm being, being almost 33 now, I still have that back pain. It, it flares up every now and then. But, you know, a week later, I didn't have any of those pains. But in that moment, if I wouldn't have been asked, I probably wouldn't even be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're still here, man. Yeah. Did you ever, <clears throat> did your brother know this story? Have you, have you shared it with him? Um, no, I, uh, in all honesty, I, I haven't shared it with anybody. I didn't, to me, I didn't feel like I needed to. I'm here. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like I needed to, but when I had that situation happen on Wednesday, yeah. where a friend of mine was talking about it, you know, for me, it kind of unearthed those feelings I was feeling, um, which is why I was so quick to drop everything. Um, so, yeah. That was uh was pretty rough to talk about, and if my parents ever hear this, I'm okay. Everything's fine. Yeah. Um, it's just it was just a really rough rough point in my life. Yeah, I mean, you mention you mention uh, you know it was as simple as like, hey, do you want to play a game with me? And I think uh, if I had to put emphasis on it, like. Um, that is a very simple thing to ask somebody, but like, look how what a, a, a huge difference it made, right? Like, it literally saved your life to to feel like somebody cared about you, wanted to have your time. You meant something to them. They chose you to spend time with, right? And it it might seem insignificant because it's just a game, but like, it literally changed your future. I, um, my brother and, needed me in that moment. Whether you know, even it was just to try and unlock some new characters. Sure. That's but. Um, and that's why it's so so important that like you give people the time of day you you talk to them and it's not the the single serving friend it's like man are you really okay like that could you know that could literally save their life yeah that's that's why like you know being almost 33 i don't i don't want those single serving friends um the kind of friend i want is the three o'clock friend or the like the three in the morning friend right like if something if shit hits the fan you know i pick up my phone and i you know, call you up, you're most likely going to answer. Yeah. You'll be a little groggy. Like, wait, let me get, at least get some coffee in me first. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are the kind of friends I want now. Yeah. Those meaningful connections can go a long way, right? It's just, you need, people need to know somebody cares about them. Um, and if you're the type of person 
that doesn't care about anybody else, that's a problem. I mean, that probably says more about you than it does about the people who need you. So, um, you know, something to work on if you're one of those people. But, um, it, you know, hopefully you're not. And uh, to be to make sure people understand how much you value them. There are times when I will go through like my DMs and I will just un unannounced, no reason. I'll reach out to people that I know might want need to hear it or the people that I love and just say, man, I fucking love you. I want to make sure you know that I don't need anything else. I'm not trying to bug you. I'm not, I'm not in a bad mood. Like I'm not, I don't need help. I just want you to know that I am so happy that you are in my life. Like you bring joy. I love when I hear to hear you talk. I love you to hear you laugh. Um, whatever it is, just so people understand like how valuable they are to you. Um, and I'm not doing that to save their life. I mean, I'm, it might save their life at the end of the day, but my goal is just so people understand how much I care about them. And that can go so far. Yeah, your intentions are just to kind of just reconnect and say, hey, I'm thinking about you in this moment. Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, it just, just so they know how valuable they are to me. Um, to kind of, you know, my situation, I, and I've, I've attempted suicide actually three times. Um, and probably the most uh, impactful um, and, and the most recent, honestly. Um, I was of similar age. Um, I was about 16. Um, I, uh, so somewhere along the age of like 12, when I started getting interested in, in women and relationships, um, somehow along the way, and I still to this, to this day don't really know how, um, stopped finding kind of value in myself. And started like defining myself by the relationships that I had, which is like super, super unhealthy um, for anybody that's listening. Um, and so from the age of like 12 and realistically, probably until I was 27, um, I struggled with depression uh, because I couldn't seem to find value in who I was as a person. And I was very much like one of those codependent people. Um, in my early years, I really didn't, you know, you're 12, 13, like those aren't real relationships. You're just kind of like, you know, I'm interested in you, you're cute kind of thing. Um, I really didn't find any connections, but like, as I got into my high school age, um, I, I started becoming like more interested in people. And there was a, there happened to be a, a girl who I was really, really interested in. And, uh, I was in the robotics team. She was in the robotics team. Um, her boyfriend was not at our school. He was older. Um, we were both 16. Um, and so we spent a lot of time together with like robotics. We would, uh, go on trips. We would be there after school. Um, and you know, despite like school going well and, and everything else, um, like that was the thing that I was focusing on was just kind of that relationship and her. Um, and even though she was in a relationship, it, I, I, there was, this, it was complicated and like, you know, you know, I kiss you, you kiss me kind of thing. And, um, you know, at one point on a, on a, uh, a trip, I remember her telling me that she loved me and I was like, well, this is really like, this is, this is it. Like, this is the one. And, you know, as an adult, obviously, again, reflecting on it, um, it's silly, but for me being that type of person who was so codependent, um, like that all of a sudden like, my value becomes within this person. Right. Um, you know, fast forward a little bit and, you know, the trip's over and whatever else. And, uh, you know, we get back home and it's like, well, no, you know, that's not what I meant. I was tired and we were on the phone late. It was 2 a.m. And, you know, I'm, I'm staying with my boyfriend and I'm not leaving him for you. Um, and so that kind of just kind of triggered my depression even more. Um, you know, it, it was pretty much off and on um, 
because I couldn't find, even though I was in relationships off and on, I was, I couldn't find value. I still wasn't, you know, there was nothing to me that I saw as a future. Um, so I went to a really dark spiral. You know, I, I'm the type of guy, I'm the kid that would be sitting there writing in the, writing in his notebook, like the poetry that was super dark, um, and listening to the sad songs, which obviously just kind of makes it even worse. Um, and I had a good friend who, uh, who actually was my neighbor across the street, who was a year or two younger than me. Um, we used to spend a lot of time together. We play video games. We would, um, you know, we would, uh, do sleepovers and stuff on Friday nights and we'd stay up all night playing games and PlayStation and whatever else. But, um, we would get together and we would just do dumb stuff. Like Jackass was around at the time. Um, there was all kinds of those kinds of shows and like, it was kind of the start of like, you know, uh, being dumb things to get famous. So we kind of hopped on that train. Nope. But, uh, I remember thinking to myself, like, like nothing that matters, man. Like it doesn't like this girl doesn't care about me. And this, you know, uh, I've had, I've cared about people for so long and I, I, um, I try to connect with them. I try to tell them how I feel and it just doesn't work. And so, um, I actually went through his, we were spending the night at his, uh, his house and we, he had, his room was down in the basement and it was kind of like an add on. Um, but down in the basement as well, there was like cleaning chemicals and things like that. And, uh, um, we, uh, we were kind of just goofing around and we were like, oh, let's just like, you squirt this in your mouth, you squirt this in this, in your mouth and whatever. Um, and I actually went through and, um, we were doing like shots of like, just, it was just like dumb stuff, right? Like shots of like whatever chemical we could find. And so for one, what I was going to do was I was going to, when he went to sleep, I was going to mix all these chemicals that were under, underneath the sink, bleach, you know, whatever else and drink it. Um, so I ended up. I ended up doing that. We went to sleep that night. Um, like he was laying in bed and I'm in the, uh, across the room in bed and I mixed just all this stuff together and ended up drinking it. Um, I really don't remember a whole lot after that. Uh, I remember kind of like being really, really sick and like vomiting, but it woke him up. Um, and of course he woke his parents up um, and I was rushed to the hospital um, where they had to like pump my stomach and do all this kind of stuff. But, um, you know, like it was, I'm really lucky that there was somebody there who was paying attention to me like in that moment. And like thinking back on it, like it was just, it's just so silly. And, and because of, because of the value that I didn't see in myself. And I think a lot of people feel that way sometimes. Um, but it's just, you know, I, I don't know. It was, it, it's these things that um, we do sometimes and even to your point, like in the spur of the moment, because we think we're thinking about what's going on now. Like, I don't feel good now. My back hurts, to your point. You know, like nobody cares about me. They, they've got me sleeping in a closet. For me, it's like, well, I'm never going to be in a relationship. I've been trying to do this and, and that. And this girl told me she loved me. And then she's still with her boyfriend. And, you know, all I can do is listen to sad songs. And like, you're so focused in that moment that you don't think about the, the future of your decision or what, you know, how, yeah. what can, what could be and how it will be better. Um, and, you know, we do these, these things and, um, you know, it, it, could, it could obviously change your life or somebody else's, so. Um, the Raptor's point yesterday when he was talking about the, like the fallout that happened, he made a, a just something to quote him is that he says that the pain of, um, that you're going through when you when you do the deed and you're not here anymore, that pain that you leave is just going to be spread across all the people that have any any significant like um, 
commonality with you, whether they were a friend, a brother, sister, mom, dad, you name it. That, you know, that pain of you being gone is just going to spread to every single one of them. So then, you know, thinking in hindsight, you know, like if I did the deed, you know, who would have, who would have hurt? Well, obviously, you know, my wife now, she wouldn't have been my wife. She would have just been my girlfriend. She would have been devastated. You probably would have thought that she wasn't enough. And then you have, you know, my, my brother and three sisters, you know, they would have been devastated. And then my parents and my grandparents. So, well, yes, the pain was, you know, in that moment felt like it was, you know, the end. You know, now I just think of like, if it would have happened, all these people would have been affected. Yeah. I, I, um, I think it would have been really, it would have been terrible for my family. My brother, um, my, I have a younger brother who's seven years younger than me, and uh, I've actually helped him kind of overcome depression or, you know, been, been a sounding board for him overcoming depression and, um, uh, and almost attempted suicide. Uh, I won't say attempted, but he was damn near close um, through a divorce as well. And, you know, he, I was somebody he could talk to. Man. I can only imagine that if I had taken my own life. <sighs> yeah. Wouldn't have been there for him. I'm glad that there was somebody there to, to hear you get sick, to then alert the people that needed to take you to the hospital. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that your attempt failed. I mean, I, I know it's kind of... I know, like, you don't want to talk about, like, the failures, but, like, I'm thankful that that failure happened. I'm glad Absolutely. that someone was there for you. Um, you know, I'm so damn... Though my brother doesn't know that he did it, I'm just so damn proud of him for helping me in that moment, so... Yeah. Absolutely. And you I'm, uh, like, you, just, uh... you never know what that, you know, just even asking, just, can you play games with me? What could it do for yeah. somebody? Like it could just be just enough to get them to not do something the unthinkable. Like as like after we got done playing, I think we played like for like four hours. We were up till God knows when. Um, I remember I didn't text my girlfriend that night to say you know good night. Um, yeah. She was upset with me the next day. Um, my mom and dad were upset because we stayed up forever because i think we had something planned for the next we had something for saturday that we'd supposed to help with but we were just dead tired but you know what i didn't care because as soon as i woke up the next day i immediately untied that noose um i snuck the the rope back into the the garage or basement whatever um i think i left the anchor bolt up in the ceiling just because i didn't want to have to get back up and take it down but who cares uh my parents ended up moving out of the house anyways. So I'm I'm glad that, you know, I was asked for just a game. And it was pro it was probably one of the best nights I ever had with my brother, up until the point where he became twenty one and then he got to drink and that was fun too, because you know, <laughs> the first time he went drinking, I think I went with him and he got smashed. It was fun <laughs> to see. I don't personally drink, but you know what? Teach their own. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my brother doesn't know, but I'm just so damn proud of him. So yeah. glad he asked. Yeah. Um. So, 
now that we're done being, you know, all cry and talking about our attempts, just I want to let everybody know that, you know, we're human too. We have struggles. Um, hopefully with us being open about our attempts and the things that we were going through in that moment, you know, even from the gaze of hindsight, I hope that it's, you know, could be a, a beacon for you in your moment or for a friend of yours that are going through a rough time that we're human too. We all have struggles. We all think the unthinkable, but even, even somebody being there waking up here and you puking your guts out because you took a suicide cocktail or your brother asking for a game of smash bros. You never know what you can do for somebody else. So to get out of this, like really down and deep, uh, subject. Uh, so want to come into a close for the podcast before we do that. There's one last question I wanted to ask. Um, I asked this of Raptor and hangry yesterday. It's kind of, so anytime I start like a new job or I get like a new friendship, I always kind of like, kind of ask like a few other questions, just kind of getting uh, an idea of like what this kind of person is. And for me, the quickest way to kind of gauge what kind of person they are is I usually ask the same question and so I'll ask the question and then I'll kind of go into like what I kind of see based on what people's answers are. So okay. um, the question I ask is if you had $20 million, all taxes paid, what would you do with it? And the reason why I ask this question is because usually they give like one of three answers. Um, if they give that um, they're going to buy, you know, a boat, a really cool car, a big extravagant house, you know, a material things immediately that tells me they're a material person. They're going to either work a bunch of hours to make money and put it in a bank and, you know, trying to amass wealth so that they can, you know, flex on people. Sure. Or, the, you know, they might, or they might be like the person that will try and do things really quick. Uh, whether they, you know, fudge their time code or time clock so that they're getting overtime when they really aren't working overtime. I've seen people do that and they've, you know, they answered the material question. So right. usually when they ask that, I say material, I, th I think of material. The next kind of answer that someone will give is, oh, I will, I'll set my family up for life. Uh, pay, pay bills for my family. I'll get them all houses and stuff like that. That immediately tells me that they could have thought about themselves, but they immediately thought of their family. They wanted to take care of their family. Yeah. And then, so that's, that's always a good thing to, to see. Uh, typically the material one kind of gives me a little bit of a red flag because if they are material minded, they're not necessarily relationship minded. Sure. So, uh, and then the family question that gives me like an idea they're family oriented. So that, you know, that's someone that I want to align myself with because I typically go the family route too. Yeah. The last thing that somebody can say is I don't care about anything. All I want to get is hookers and blow. Of course, those are the kind of people I don't want in my life because I'm married. I ain't, I've never been to a strip club. Don't plan on going. Like, no, no, no. Red flag, stay away from me. I'll work with you, but stay away from me. So if you had $20 million, taxes, don't even worry about taxes. You had $20 million to work with. What would you do with it? Yeah, $20 million is a lot of money. I can't even imagine what a million dollars would be like, even though that's like not so much in today's society. Um, but a couple of things come to mind. So my, I know my brother is, uh, he's, he's struggled, you know, he's a, he's a former Marine. Um, and, uh, he's, he's had some, you know, some PTSD issues and things like that. And 
So I would like to take care of him and his family. I've got, like I said, I've got a niece. He's got another niece, uh, or I have another niece on the way. She'll be here in about a month, I think. Um, two months, um, she'll be born. So I want to make sure that they're good. Um, my parents, too. I need to get them out of where they live, honestly, because they don't live in a great, uh, a great part of the part of the u.s so i'd like to get them somewhere stable and and happy and healthy um but man honestly the the rest if i i would just pay off my debt which it wouldn't even come near anywhere close to 20 million dollars um but i would i would spend a lot of money on um on animals man like i just i love animals so much um so i'd probably spend a lot of money helping out you know places especially like dogs like dogs have been dogs have been my savior since i was a kid i learned how to walk from a dog i um I've had dogs my whole life. They've been my best friend. They always listen, you know? Um, so like I would probably look into either helping out at a, sh- you know, helping out a shelter or, um, spending a lot of money investing in things like that because, um, you know, I just, I just, I think, I think animals, animals are important to me and I think they deserve a chance. And there's a lot of, uh, underfunded, undervalued places like that that could use it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. usually when I like, get like a new friendship, not not only do I like hearing like what someone else's answers is, but then I, based on like you know key things about them, I try and like plant my own answer and maybe what they might say. And you definitely hit it right on the head. I figured you were kind of a family guy, and definitely first episode when you were talking about you're all about pets, uh, saying how you learned how to walk from a dog. I immediately yeah. knew if he had twenty million dollars, he would probably make himself a puppy ranch. <laughs> yeah. I could see that happening. bunch oh, of man, bunch would... of acreage and just like. <laughs> Go to an animal shelter. He's like, I want one of everything. Yeah, I will take everybody that's here. Let's go. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, so my answer usually is uh, definitely I would help my family. You know, uh, my parents love that they love their house, but I would probably you know help to to fix some things around it that they need help with. I know my yeah. mom wants a a she shed, and my dad's not too quick on making that a reality because he's been dealing yeah. with chemotherapy and he's also got um you know he was uh a veteran for the air force and so he's on 100 percent disability uh, because of his ptsd and so yeah so he's got he's got his struggles and i know sometimes he can't always help with things around the house but definitely would it would use that to help them would also help my sisters and my brother um, even if it's just creating a college fund for their kids. Yeah. Um, I, when I, when I give 20 million as a, as a, like a monetary value, the reason why I say 20 million is like a million, you could find a way to spend a million in one day. It's oh, real yeah, easy sure. to do. Like all you have to do is go to maybe four different stores yeah. uh, with the dealership being one of them. Yeah. But with 20 million, it kind of gives someone, you know, little bit more room to grow in their answers like oh well if i had 20 million this could be used for you know a much bigger purpose so the other side of my answer is not only will i help family but because of being part of uh different twitch communities and getting to have you know some of my best friends are now our twitch streamers raptor being one of them angry's another um you're getting up on that list i would definitely I would find a way to like benefit streamers as a whole. Like I love yeah. building PCs. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Um, probably even if it's just like a PC shop where I'm building PCs and I'm just shipping them out for free. Yeah. You know, I could be like the free version of powered GPU. Um, <laughs> so I was like, you get a PC and you get a PC, you get a PC just because I would love to, I would love to just bless somebody in their setup. So that it's, yeah. it's one thing that I didn't have to worry about. 
Oh, yeah. you don't need a PC? All right, well, let's give you some dope-ass lights. Yeah. Or let's completely redo your audio. Right. And uh, another thing I like to do is I like to give free emotes to new affiliates. Yeah. I, would, I would love to do that all day. Like, just, yeah. you know, that is my job. I'm just going to give away free shit. Yeah. Um, it's funny you say that. My one of my goals that I've kind of uh, been trying to manifest this year is I wanna I wanna give away a PC, a decent PC to somebody. Like you know, I wanna find a way to either save up enough money or maybe even make a relationship with a you know a PC company where we can do that by the end of the year. So um, I think it would just be awesome. There are a lot of really amazing people out there um, who find streaming as a solace or is it's, it's a mental health ref refuge for them, right? Like um, honestly, for me, like <clears throat> early on. You know, I, it wasn't about the people, but it became about the people. And now, like, when I miss a stream, it's not like I don't miss, like, if I, if I miss, a, especially a Wednesday, like, if I miss a Wednesday stream, because it's, like, the middle between my Sunday and my Friday nights, that it's kind of mm -hmm. a, a break for me. Um, like, my mental health takes a hit because I just miss talking to people and having that time and having them stop by and seeing them. And, you know, sometimes we're wild and crazy and whatever else. But um, that for me provides kind of that midweek break where I can um, reconnect. It grounds me. Uh, it helps me see how everybody's been doing since the last time I saw them. And so, like, I would love to be able to provide that for somebody else. So um, I love that that's something that you would be interested in doing too. Yeah. I just think that, like, um, as much as I can do for myself, I've always wanted to do for others. Um, even, even in a small way. Like, uh, I remember there's moments where, like, we didn't have a whole lot of money in the bank and like, we're just, you know, limping till Friday, but then, you know, my heartstrings pull at somebody like on my quick trip and I'm getting gas for my car and I see like a mom and their kids, you know, struggling to get put gas in their own car. So you know, there's times where I'll, you know, it might not be much, but you know, Hey, here's five bucks to go towards what you need. Or a kid is crying because they want, they want like a candy and their parents are like, mm, can't really do it. We don't, we can't afford it. And I'll say, hey, I'll I'll buy that candy. Like it's no big deal. Um or blessing someone that's in the drive through. Like, hey, how much is the total behind me? Oh, it's that you know, it's this, this, this. I'm like, all right, I'll pay yeah. for them too. Just uh just tell them I have a good day or pay it yeah. forward or whatever. Absolutely. So um never realize what kind of impact you can leave on somebody. So I try to teach my kids like always leave something better than you left it. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it, it kind of plays into what we were talking about earlier, just that little bit of moment, that connection, um, <clears throat> you know, for the folks that you have regular interaction with, you want to go deeper, but that that shouldn't dis, you know, discount the value of the random act of kindness, right? So you want you want to be able to just help somebody out. Uh, it's it's not about doing it for the intention of it coming back to you, though people often say, you know, what you give, you'll get back fivefold or whatever else, tenfold. Um, just do it because it's the right thing to do. Do it because you have the ability to help somebody else. Do it be out of love. Um, and when you do something out of love, there should never be an expectation of any kind of return. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I love that you started streaming and then found the purpose afterward. Um, I know when I started streaming, I started for the wrong reasons. I just wanted to, to be honest, 100% honest, I wanted an excuse to play video games without getting in trouble by my wife. <laughs> I, I'm being, I'm being dead honest. Cause you, you know, she would, I would say, Hey, I want to build a PC. And she's like, well, yeah. what can you do with it? It's like, well, I can do my graphic stuff with that. And then she'd be like, well, okay. 
Um, <laughs> and then I gave, you know, I said, hey, but I can also stream, and there's a potential to make money out of it um, yeah. eventually. And But then, you know, I just wanted an excuse to, ha you know, play video games, you know, and have people, <laughs> you know, join in. And yeah. I quickly learned, like, the first couple streams, that's the complete wrong reason to do it. Because yeah. now, because then I'm looking for the wrong metrics. I'm not looking for viewers. I'm not looking for uh, subs and stuff like this. I'm, you know, all I'm seeing at that point is dollar signs. Right. So then um, after doing it off and on for the last two years, I realize I'm not much of a streamer. I don't have, I, I don't have that pull for people to watch me and that's okay. Like I know when I do an art stream, I get I get typically more people because you know I get to talk about the process of what I do for right you know making an emote like I'm making Raptor like a um, remember that uh, the uh, emoji like the cat jam where he's just kind of just dancing yeah, yeah I'm yeah, yeah. I'm in the process of making one for him but it's Raptor um, okay that's awesome and it's a huge struggle I hate animation <laughs> so bad like, it's animation just, can be rough yeah. it's just not something I learned how to do and right. um. Like, yeah, there's resources, but I don't want to spend an hour watching someone animate something. Um, right. But, like, so, so, like, when I'll do an art stream, you know, those are always fun. Those get, you know, a decent amount of people in there. Um, yeah. But game-wise, I'm shit at games. I just play games to play <laughs> games. Like, I don't, like, I play, I've been playing Pokemon since it came out. Yeah. But I didn't realize until Gen 5 that there was a thing called IVs and EVs. Oh, yes. No idea. Uh uh it was because they don't advertise it no um and it wasn't until gen 5 that they really started to say hey uh these pokemon have these things the hidden stats um, yeah also didn't learn that they also can have egg moves till about gen 5 as well and so when we got to gen 8 then i was like oh well i know they have ivs i know they have evs uh i know that i can also you know i knew shinies was a thing but like I didn't like pursue finding them up until like right. Legends Arceus because Legends Arceus made it easier. Right. Um, right, right. you know, you uh get a uh get level ten completion and your chances of finding a shiny of that particular Pokemon like almost double. Right. And then if right. you complete your Pokedex with level tens in all of them, then you get the shiny charm and your 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 chances are even higher. Yeah. But I found so many shinies already just in that game. <laughs> but I didn't know it was a thing until, you know, now. Uh, yeah. so I'm a pretty mediocre gamer. So yeah. I realized that I wasn't much for streaming. Sure. That's mainly why I wanted to do this. Because yeah. right now we're not posting these videos. It's just right. I'm just grabbing the audio from it and we're doing that. But eventually we'll get to a point where I, you know, once I get all the overlays and figure out... So Discord does a funny thing. So based on how like I have things set up on my computer, so I have you got you on the left hand side of my main monitor. But if I make that screen smaller or bigger, it makes the camera on my my uh, OBS change. Yeah. And then if I have two people, it looks different. If I have three people, it's like this weird stack. It is. Yeah. yeah we had that issue yesterday when Boothby dropped out, and then it went down to three people. So I had to fix things. As like, <laughs> so eventually we'll get to the point where I can record these and we'll do these, post them to a YouTube channel or something. Yeah. And you guys are more than welcome to start streaming if you want. I it don't bother me at all. I know you guys are streaming. I know Raptor does Tuesdays and Thursdays. Angry is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. With sometimes a Saturday he'll do like a cooking stream. 
I don't know Boothby's schedule. And I, th- I know he's getting back at it. Yeah, <laughs> and then Big Bosch, um, I think he's mostly on the weekends right now just because his week is kind of crazy. Right. And I'm the odd one out because I don't stream right now, which is fine. Right. Yeah. So I have no idea where I was going with that. But I, I just love that you found your purpose in it, and that's why I wanted to start the podcast because then I have a purpose too. Is yeah. I, you know, I've I've always been kind of the person that – is kind of in the background so in high school i i did theater but i wasn't on stage i was behind i helped i helped build the sets i helped set the lights um i would help you know make sure everyone was in their place to make the people on stage look brighter um so that was always the kind of guy i was so then to me to make a shift and do something like this where i'm a host you know you guys are all you know you're you're all co-hosting with me but right. you know, I get to make a product now, and I yeah. I get to have that purpose now, and so yeah. I'm finding my purpose in this. I think that's awesome. Are you? Uh, I I think I know the answer to this, but how how are you enjoying it so far? I well, I'm not the greatest when it comes to public speaking. So and it's just it's just like so if I have notes for a particular episode. Mm-hmm. I get super nervous that I was like, oh, I got to make sure I get all the points. So then I go like <laughs> a million miles an hour. I was like, yeah, this was supposed to be an hour long and now it's only, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. So with, with the help of Raptor, he's telling me, Hey, slow down. We have time. Like we're yeah, not, yeah. we don't have constraints. This is our right. thing. So yeah. I'm, I'm gradually learning. And I know that also helped with how I did the intro. I, you know, I wrote down what my intro was going to be. I said it, and then I let there be a pause, and then we went into the topic yeah. at hand. Absolutely. So over time, these will get better and better and better, and then eventually uh, posting them either live or after the fact with the actual video, that'll be a different thing. But I just, I think Hangry's point yesterday even if we just save one life, that is still a victory. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's more than you could hope, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, my goal with this was always just like, how can I help one person? Because it's kind of like the law of multiple, uh, multiplication, right? Like I, mm-hmm. it's something I learned about when I was, uh, as I became a manager, a leader in my career, you know, I can te- if I can teach one person something or if I can help one person, they go out and they teach, you know, two people, three people, and then so on and so forth. As that, as that continues, you know, the one person that you've helped turn, now turns into a hundred people impacted. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's really all it takes is if you can, you know, help that one person, but even if it is just that one person, um, you know, and even if it saves one life, especially, um, because that's invaluable, then it is 100% worth it day in, day out. Yeah. Cause not only, you know, if, if we save one life, then we have to think of like what kind of um what kind of drive they'll end up having afterwards maybe saving one life could be the the threshold that it takes to have you know more impact because then they'll start preaching the message like hey because of this i was saved you know much to your point about the love multiplication um it could be just as much you know it could just be the point where we save someone's life and they just became a better dad or um you know maybe they became a better manager because then they started to see 
you know, what, you know, their output was, you know, not having the good results. And then they had this complete 180 and now they're seeing better results. Absolutely. So, uh, so we're going to go ahead and call this episode, uh, bring it to a close. Um, just to preface, we are not professionals in any way, shape or form. Um, I don't want to misconstrued by saying by us pointing out facts or, um, given lists to different helplines that we in any way, shape, or form, like any advice that we give um, should be taken as fact. These are just things that we have learned over time, whether it be from personal experience or seeing it secondhand. Um, so we are in no way, shape, or form a professional. We are just ordinary dudes coming together, hoping that just us being vulnerable to you is enough to help you or to help lead you to getting help. Um, so definitely, if you're in crisis, um, go to the show notes. I will make sure to list all the different helplines, um, charities that might help, just any resource that you can think of. I'll do my best to make sure it's in the show notes. Um, so as we call this episode to a close, I just want to let you know that if you found this ep- uh, podcast helpful in any way, shape, or form, or you just want to suggest topics for us to cover at a later time, the best way you can do that is to leave a review um, on whatever podcast app Um you're listening to this on uh, we are currently on apple podcast iHeartRadio, spotify and pocket casts and more coming um as you know this thing grows um we will definitely read your reviews and we will uh read them even on a future episode we'll read them aloud i might give a couple to tier a couple to raptor just to have you read um but yeah any suggestion you have for whether how we can improve or just topics you want to hear us go over, definitely leave it in the, your review and we'll read it. Um, we shoot for five stars, but if we haven't hit there yet, let us know how we can get there as well. Um, while life might get you down, we stand tall and before John. <laughs>